Welcome on into the show. My name is Danny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the tea connoisseur, the snare campaign provocateur. Oh, he's into everything. Look at that mug. Thank you. Oh, gosh. This is how we stay hip around here. We put on Carhartt hats. That's right. We use native style uh, (laughs) pottery as our (laughs) coffee mugs. I'm drinking green tea, organic Indian green tea. See, Danny... If there's anything I would like this tea segment to tell people, okay, yes. is that you don't always have to go on antibiotics right away. You okay. know what I mean? Like, you know, let's consider the fact that you can heal yourself, you can steam, you can get this shit out of your nose and chest without the help of these terrible, terrible drugs. You should only use these drugs if you're like, can't move. You know what I'm saying? I'm a big fan of the drugs. Um, <laughs> and I love that we, you know, we started this whole thing. I put it out on all the social platforms. Yeah. We had a couple of viewers tune in, and then we started talking about tea, and everybody They're jumped gone. off the program. Of course. But, Benny, we have a big show today. Friend of the show, Cody Sharrett, yeah. joining the program from Qatar. Wow. He is the U.S. men's national team and really U.S. soccer. He is. The king of the Twitter fingers over there. We got boots on the ground in Qatar. Located, infiltrating the New Jersey heavy U.S. tune-up. The tune-up has infiltrated Qatar. I love it. Not many people can say that. Are we allowed? Not even Budweiser can say that. And they pay the money. Should I I be careful? I don't want to get this kid brown bagged, man. Yeah, we'll be good. We'll be good. We'll be good. I'm not going to say anything. For, yeah, I won't say anything too bad for Cody's sake. Oh, man. But what's up with you, dude? What is on the docket for you today? What's top of mind? You know what? I got a lot of drum stuff to work on. The gaslight stuff is ramping up. And mm. you know what I need? I need ideas. So okay. I'm in a creative process right now of like, it's strange. W- once a record starts being worked on, uh, it's I listen to music completely differently. Mm. Um, It's like everything is like research and everything is like four ideas. And I'm just thinking of stuff inside of everything. You know, I even heard the, the Eminem song Stan the other day. And all I could hear the whole time is, and I've never heard it before. I'm like, that's a fucking great baseline, like really great baseline. It carries the whole song. It's, it's like this deep kind of low funk baseline. And I'm like, all right, that's yeah. nice. So these are the weird things that happen when you start creating where like, you know, people are like, where are your influences? Bruce Springsteen? I'm like, well, for this particular song, Stan by Eminem, <laughs> you know, like weird shit like that. So that's kind of a, but it, it's like always a fun ride to go into because you never really know where it's going to go. You just got to kind of ride the wave and like not put any judgment on what you want to listen to for whatever mm. reason. Like the other day, I'm like, I got to hear some Paramore. Mm. I want some of those hooks from like the night. Yeah. What did those sound like again? And I'm listening. I'm like, good hooks. Nice hooks. Yeah, nice so, hooks. So, you know, you got to grab from a rich, rich plate of things to make rich music. So that's where I'm at at the, at the current moment. So who are you listening to then? Yeah, obviously, you said Paramore. You had Eminem. Right. This is an easy. Well, no, that's like some party shuffle shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, let, let me. T- I'll give you like, let's say the top eight. Yeah. Okay. On here that I'm that I've been feasting on. We got The Smile, which is the new project mm-hmm. from uh, Tom York and those guys. It's really great. Really yeah. interesting. 
re-downloaded the Dismemberment Plans uh, Change album, which is incredible if you want some late 90s, early 2000s DC kind of stuff. We got the Essential Teddy Pendergrass. <laughs> uh, Zoo by Denzel Curry. Okay. You heard this guy? Y- yeah. Denzel, nice. of course. Yeah. Jeff Rosenstock turned me on to him on mm-hmm. tour. I really like this record. Really like a band called Truth Cult. Truth no. Okay. Yeah, male, female, off vocals, mm-hmm. kind of again, have like a DC Fugazi thing going on. Okay. Wait a minute. I'm on a DC kick. Oh, oh. okay. Okay. That's that's interesting to see. Scott Van Pelt's going to be on the next album with you. That's right. And uh, just because they've been announcing shows and stuff, I'm listening to a lot of Botch again, who is mm. one of my favorite heavy bands uh, from back in the day and a hugely influential band, yeah. like one of those ones that if you go back in the chronology of things started a lot of a, a lot of uh, dominoes that wound up where we are today and they're playing shows again i'm thinking about taking a family trip to oh. seattle in february oh, to go yeah. see them. that's how much i like <laughs> oh, this wow. band. so been revisiting some botch we're all over the place these days you know you a uh, you a, a, a thundercat guy you know i haven't listened to his album the only stuff i know is from the uh uh, Silk Sonic record. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is very yeah. cool, but I haven't listened to his 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 solo stuff yet. Wait, I don't think I told you this because we were off when I was in L.A. I was driving down Sunset Boulevard, and guess who I pull up to at a stoplight? Thundercat. Anderson Pac. No, no kidding. Yeah, oh. and and it's as cool as you as as you would. Was he driving? Was he driving? It was like one of those like like uh, mint. Classic cars, big headlights, kind of like you know, like the like entourage car. Oh, like a boat though, like yeah, a cla- yeah, like a Buick yeah. or something. Yeah, oh, okay. and he's just bumping Good. tunes. It's everything I wanted that interaction to be, even though I didn't say hi. I tell me one to. thing. I got to know two details about this, and I hope you can tell me them. Yeah. What was the interior like? Ooh, and what was leather. he wearing? Leather. No, what color? What color? Oh, white. And he's got the cap. He had oh. the cap on. He had the sunglasses oh. and everything. That's how I knew it was him. Ooh. The cap and the Ooh. sunglasses. Ooh. I'm on fire. <laughs> I'm on fire. Oh, I got the vapors. I got the vapors. Oh, Benny. Ooh. Well, you want to know something. You know what segment has the vapors every oh, single week? I don't know. You're turning me on, though. Oh, <laughs> I'm turning you on all the way. It's this day in music history. <laughs> all right. Oh, God. A little double dose for you. What do you got? So, in this day in 2005, the movie Walk the Line opened in U.S. theaters, obviously uh, with Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon. Um, now, I brought this up. It's a great movie. I like it. Uh, like it when it came out. Still do. Respected uh, the fact that they both could, could sing and do their own soundtrack. And it turns out, uh, in, in a CNN interview, the director told Joaquin Phoenix, you're not going to sound exactly like Johnny Cash. Don't worry about that. If people want to hear Johnny Cash, they can get his records. So apparently that was the motive going into the soundtrack. They ended up selling over a million copies of it and winning the Grammy for best soundtrack with Reese Witherspoon and Joaquin Phoenix doing the bulk of the singing. The reason I brought this up was we've been seeing kind of like a litany of these movies, right? Mm-hmm. Ever since Walk the Line came out, you know, like, and I want to say that nobody's gotten past this bar. I feel like this film kind of set the bar a little bit for the quality of what we're looking for in a music type of biopic sort of thing. 
and uh, all the all the ones that have come in since I think have, have fallen short to this. Would you consider Walk the Line the the bar holder of these kinds of films? I would. I would. Um, I, I'd say if you know if if we're ranking things real quick, that's probably like set the standard. Uh, oh, complete non sequitur here, but kind of related. Watch the Weird Al one. Oh dude. yeah, heard it was good. Dude, heard it was dude. good. F- funny stuff, exactly what you want from a Weird Al one. But when it comes yeah. to doing this seriously, you you all know my thoughts on Elvis. If not, go back and listen to that. Um, but I'm trying to think of the other ones that 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 they've done. We got I know Ray. Ray was good. Ray good, was good. very good. Ray. Elton John, okay. The yeah. Rock Man. We got. Oh. The, I mean, Queen was Queen, not yeah. just Freddie Mercury. So I right. don't want to say that one, even there, though it was the bulk of him. There is a Grateful Dead one coming out. Uh, I believe Scorsese is producing it, and Jonah Hill as Jerry Garcia. We've talked about. Oh yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Ho- hopefully that that's good. And another non sequitur. I just yeah. recently watched the drummer documentary that uh, Bill Kreutzmann from mm. Grateful Dead's son made wow. about uh, rock drummers and their kids wow. and a relationship between rock drummers and their dads specifically. Mm. So I had like. Phil Collins' son, Nick. Wow. Jason Bonham. Uh, you know, um, uh, Ginger Baker's kid. Uh, like, like all this lineage of that stuff. And and Bill Krutzman's kid who made the film. And it was really, it was like an interesting take on the drummer thing. It was like maybe the most, maybe because it came from the Grateful Dead camp. It was sort of the most spiritual and vibey look at playing like rock drums that I've maybe seen uh from a different usually it's like hey look at that animal doing animal things <laughs> you know and this one gave us a little more breadth than that so i appreciated it wow all right benny well on this day in 1975 bruce springsteen that's right our guy played the famed london hammersmith odeon concert this day oh, 1975 famous, famous gig now you guys played this venue, what it's called now. It's now the Hammersmith Apollo, Hammersmith Apollo. On, on the 10th anniversary tour. Yeah. What's the vibes of that venue? Because I, I imagine there's got to be some ghosts there. Yeah, I mean, it's very cool. Like a lot of these places, you know, the facade and stuff is is similar. But when you go onto the inside, I mean, it's been 40, 50 years. Yeah. So, of course, they've changed a couple things. <laughs> Uh, but I do know for Gaslight, it was important because I know that record in particular, that 75 live version, I believe Brian considers may- maybe the best Bruce album, but I think definitely the best live album for a band of all time. I think really captured a, a band at their peak doing wonderful things in a really nice way. So that's that's a good one. But yeah, that was cool as fuck to play that place. Yeah. So this day, 1975, Bruce made history. Got to go there, what, like 55 years later? That's Or 45 years later, it's wacky, you know? I thought that you guys recorded the live in London at that venue, but upon further research, I was like, nope, 59 sound tour. Yeah, we don't talk about that DVD <laughs> either. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> later date, Cody's coming on soon. We got we, we to keep it rolling. Uh, all right. So, Benny, let's talk about something else that, uh, you know, please, people please. feel some sort of way about. Uh, Ticketmaster tickets mm. for Taylor Swift's Eras Tour uh, will no longer be put on sale. That was supposed to happen today. Apparently, the pre-sale they sold two million tickets. Crash Ticketmaster, Crash Live Nation, and everything like that. Um, the CEO of Live Nation ca- came out and and after upon canceling the tour was like the demand was such that 
Taylor could have filled 900 stadiums. So I got to ask this question. We I feel like we talked about a, a, a while ago, uh, Pearl Jam trying to circumvent Live Nation uh, and Ticketmaster and all that stuff, do their own thing. Um, if the demand is there for Taylor right now like this, do you think she could do uh, the Eddie Vedder idea and actually see it through? Yeah, maybe. You know, I don't know. I, shit. I mean, that's where... You know, this is another part of the conversation where it's like, I'll get there in a second. I think maybe. And and you're dealing with one of the rare artists who is so popular and seemingly motivated to stir shit up from time to time that that it could be possible. I mean, let's let's just talk about this first. OK, what the fuck have people been paying these fees for if you can't handle consumer demands? Seriously, fuck you. I buy these tickets too, you know, and and I see something like this and you start to see, oh, Taylor could have filled. I don't give a shit how many stadiums they could have filled. You need to handle this because you're a fucking giant who's been killing people for years on these fees. What are people paying? And this is when free market capitalism backfires. If you fuck people this long, you get zero wiggle room. Okay, people have been mad and at the precipice of like, fuck this company forever. So when they have an Achilles heel, when they show something, you're like, that's why you suck. This isn't a company anybody's willing to give a pass to because they've been holding people's genitalia in their hands for for 20, 30 years, really screwing people over for very little reason. And, you know, anytime a company like this comes out, like they're providing some sort of altruistic service. Like again, fuck you. Like and and you know, this is going to come up again in our Twitter conversation where I would appreciate businessmen to just be honest. Yeah. Now, I, like so so to answer your question, I mean, I just lived it, man. I just did it. I literally just did a Live Nation tour. Mm. And my anecdotal experience through my time in the music industry so far and getting uh increasingly large the longer I get in the industry is that Live Nation and Ticketmaster have the large scale audience market cornered and it's painfully hard for anyone to exist without either. And actually much easier for a band at this point to just put your hands up and go, all right, throw me on these Live Nation tours, like whatever, like it's easy because they made it easy. They made it like this is their model and they actually pulled that off. So that's the truth. So like the investigations into monopoly like behavior and shutting out anything remotely independent. Sure. Get into it. You know what I mean? Because it's the truth. And I think the problem people like me run into is like, I would love to see somebody play hardball with Ticketmaster or Live Nation. I don't have the, the ammo, the firepower, the backing, the anything. I'm a drummer in a nominally successful rock band. You know what I mean? And like, if I want to survive, like literally feed my kids, I got to go on these tours and I am not personally responsible for booking every room, every show, every deal. You know what I mean? This is the kind of thing, like if you want to exist in the world peacefully and happily, you have to let people do their jobs who apparently know how to do their jobs. Mm. And when it keeps coming up into this, it's like, these are your two options. One will go like this. 
this is the post-COVID time where bands don't have a lot of money. Bands do not have wiggle room right now. You know, like this is the least wiggle room that an artist has ever had, probably. I really successful good bands are going on tour right now and coming home with nothing. So, like, what are people supposed to do? And that's where I would love to see. And in this case, I like seeing more of the onus on the corporate side of this than the artists themselves, because I think we're kind of stuck inside of this monopoly as well. It kind of seems like, you know, what we talk about when you give up a a little bit of something for convenience. And we talk about this with social media, you're giving up, Mm -hmm. up, up, up your data. And we talk about this with, you know, a bunch of like the finance and tech stuff that we've gotten into in, in the past. It just seems like, you know, they've made it easier and people have gotten accustomed to a certain amount of way. And not only has it screwed over the artists, but like now it's, it's has been screwing over the fans. So the only people that keep winning are is live nation and and their stockholders. And that's not right. And, you know, I don't mean to present some woe is me argument. I do have another choice, you know, and the other choice at the current moment is to be in a smaller band. Which is okay. You know what I mean? Mm. Like you can make a very, very successful living doing what you want to do and being independent and doing it. But it's it's a lot more work for someone. Someone in the band all of a sudden has to be a day to day full time manager, somebody who's seeing this thing through end to end and probably losing money off the top doing so. And not every band and not every artist has the liberty to do all that, especially someone who gets a call every couple months who's like hey i got a tour for you yeah. they're like i don't give a shit who's putting on this tour i gotta fucking leave home and make money yeah it's, it's just so that's just the way it is at, at the current moment there are other choices and i watch punk and hardcore and all these other um avenues exist in a very good way independently you know mm. it is yeah. it is possible and it does exist like i, I don't want to make it sound like like Ticketmaster has an umbrella over anything. But if I guess if there's anything it's done, it's made the divide between mainstream and independent just painfully obvious and a brick mm-hmm. wall in between the two. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to get to another story real quick here that uh, the divide between the mainstream and the independent, a, a guy who th- believes he's independent in Elon Musk <laughs> and a mainstream social media platform in Twitter Benny, the drama surrounding Elon Musk's reign at Twitter has been chaotic. And on Thursday night, reports started to leak out that the entire platform was going down the tubes because the internal Twitter that the employees use was going down and the actual platform was going down with it. But I want to keep it optimistic episode here, okay? I want to relive some of uh, our favorite memories on the platform, best (laughs) tweets, because... It changed the game for journalism, man. It changed the name, game in how you consume news and everything like that. So what's some of your favorite Twitter memories as we kind of eulogize it here? I mean, I think my favorite part of Twitter early on was like, you know, things like Jaded Punk Hulk or like the things like that where some rando took on a, a fake, you know, pseudonym. And if they did it funny and if they were able to deliver like, humorous content every single day you could get away with some pretty awesome shit on twitter you know what about uh brendan kelly's uh arby's thing Mm. you know what i mean he was basically doing like shit talking copywriting for arby's every day yeah and making like a cool living off of it somehow so like shit like that would probably be 
my favorite like RIP things from Twitter. Yeah. Uh, certainly pre 2016, I think. How about you? Well, the the beginning. I mean, in like in like the 06 through like 09 thing, when like athletes were on there and they were giving away like shoes, like oh, game right. worn shoes yeah, and yeah, jerseys yeah. and shit. That was really cool. Yo, but like I, you know, I, I I'm not sure how much the people listening to this like know this, but it's how the tune up started, man. Twitter. That's right. That's true. So you came true. on later, and then you were like, "Hey, like, let's do this PTI kind of yeah. thing over here." And yeah, man. So that good point. Um, it's how I met Jack Curry. Yeah. Did I ever no. tell that story? No, 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 no. That is the there. reason I downloaded Twitter. Really? I was playing a show in New York. I believe it was when we were doing the Terminal Five shows, uh, probably in yeah. like '08 or something, and. Uh, our monitor engineer, Anthony Shushtak, big, big baseball fan, actually works for baseball now. He said, hey, my sister texted me. Jack Curry's at the show. Mm. Tweet it. I'm like, Jack Curry? <laughs> TV guy for the Yankees? He's here? He's like, get the fuck out of here. You know, and I got so excited. Later that evening, I downloaded Twitter for the first time, found Jack Curry's profile, slipped into his DMs. And that was the first thing I ever did on Twitter. Like the reason I went on there was to basically talk to Jack Curry. Wow. That's yeah. incredible. And you know, now he's, he's, he's gone on to write a bunch of books with David Cohn and, uh, oh, yeah, man, yeah. that's, legend. that's crazy stuff. So. Yankees legend. Yeah. So um, that's what we're keeping it. We're keeping it light. We're not talking about the, the downfall of social discourse. I mean, do you want to talk <laughs> about it? Because it, it's pretty important because all of the other social platforms outside of Twitter emphasize pictures, videos. Uh, the, the thing I've always loved about Twitter is the fact that it is it is the written word for better or for worse. And and anybody has access to it kind of in like the town square model. So, yeah. But so here, here's the one thing to keep it light about Twitter and maybe not light, but just to keep it realistic. Yeah. I sometimes enjoy when shitty bottom line businessmen act the way they should. And this is what I was talking about before with Ticketmaster. It's like, it's 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 shitty. It's morally onerous, and the people who do it are you know like are not interested in the things that interest us because morality and bottom line capitalism are not aligned. So when he goes in, overpays for this company, it's saving fucking money apparently, and he's just like, yeah, like I make money. I bought a failing company. I'm going to fire almost everyone. Here's the the thing I'm writing to my employees. Heartless bullshit. Just like, hey, you're on or you're off. Fuck you. This is a job. And like, there's part of that where I'm like, what do you expect from this guy? Like, this is like, this is like what he does. But I think as shitty as this dude is in the way that I don't think he understands the human experience. He doesn't understand what a like like what a normal person just goes through on the day to day anymore. I don't know where that guy's brain is, you know. So what he's gonna do with Twitter is a fucking it's a huge guess for me. The one thing I do think it tips off is maybe this is the second generation of social media beginning, because you know essentially like what were all these platforms trying to get back in the day? Just users. Like they just wanted people more and more and more and more people. And if you somehow like all these stocks and stuff were going up just by adding people, but not really adding like stuff, 
you know, and it feels like this is maybe the end of that like ceiling a little bit where like, you know, you have TikTok who has a billion people. So you can't fuck with this anymore. Like, and, and are we getting to the point that just social media sites are going to be like subscription based and, and will Elon Musk in 10 years be considered the, the person who started this movement and made it smarter and more fiduciary, you know, responsibility in these social media companies. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like the things that are, are free that have since gone into like, you need to pay for. Um, that's, that's the most favorable view of like Elon that I've heard anyone try to give. Cause it's like, he's taking away from, from the people and kind of like hoarding it in his ivory tower. Um, and the strange business model that, that he's like going for here, it's like trying to do the space thing, the car thing, and then like the words Twitter thing. It's not put together by somebody that has a long term plan for this. This is no, not like you do yeah, not learn this when no. you get your MBA. No, no. <laughs> he's very. And this guy is like he's super Trump like in that yeah. way. You know what I mean? It's just this like and that's why I brought it up earlier. Somebody who I believe is just completely disconnected from the normal human experience at this yeah. point. Um, maybe he always was. He seems a little kind of like, like just shut off from the world in that way. Like one of those people who, if you scan their brains, that one little part that is supposed to care about other people or something mm. is just not there. You know what I mean? Like uh, Alex Huddle, like the climber, you know, he's missing that part of his brain that just gives him fear for whatever reason. So I do think like, he is like that. I think you're right that each move is like, I think that each move is built on the idea that he thinks he's smarter and more capable than everybody else. Mm. Not in like some altruistic long-term plan. Yeah. I think he woke up one day and said, I had enough money to buy Twitter and I can make it work because I'm me. So I do think that's where it's fed from. Yeah. And not to mention the app that has canceled more people has broken more stories about sexual impropriety is now being run by a guy who has quite the checkered sexual history with women. I don't know. This is is bad news, man. Yeah. You just shouldn't be on it. I mean, at this point, like you shouldn't have been on it years ago. Maybe this is the correct tipping point for any reasonable person to just get off Twitter. It's bad for you. It's, it's bad for people. It's bad for our goddamn brains. Yeah. Well, maybe bad for everybody, but man, dude, I can't tell you how many shows at Sirius I've booked using this app, man. DM <laughs> diving. I'm gonna, this, this is a bad <laughs> resource. But I got to say this, okay? For, yeah. for one, I have a little bit of anecdotal evidence here as someone who used Twitter a lot yeah. and just left out of nowhere. You know what I mean? I didn't tell anybody I was leaving. I didn't do anything. Do you want to know how many people have hit me up asking None. where I've been? Zero goose fucking egg mm. dude i have an yeah. email attached to that not one person's been like hey where you been on twitter i haven't seen you around blah blah blah, oh. blah, blah. Mm. so i really do think a lot of the idea that you're there and you're filling some thing that actually needs to be filled is i believe completely artificial well, wherever Shams goes to report NBA breaking news stories, I don't know where gonna this go. is going to be. Yeah. That's where I'm going. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Benny. Well, we have two more stories here for you today. Uh, do you want to get into an update on last week's beer story from Cutter? Oh, sure. Um, so as of just before going on to record this today and, and go live to you, 
Qatar has been like, no beer at the World Cup stadiums. They've cut it out entirely. Um, it, wine and other stuff will be available in the suites and stuff like that. But Budweiser has a $75 million deal with FIFA, and the Qatari government has FU money and just yeah. hit the total trump card with it. I mean, that's where I, like sometimes people act so transparently that it's almost like hilarious. Yeah. You know, they knew Budweiser was coming. They knew these tents were coming. They selected spaces for these tents to be. So I have to assume this was kind of the plan. Yeah. This is going to be, we're going to let them come in. We're going to take the money. We're going to do this shit. And then we're going to kind of squeeze them off to the side. So maybe we can toe the line here. But I mean, what's Budweiser's recourse? Do they, do they literally sue a country? Because that was, is that what's going to happen? <laughs> So that's what I'm worried. Like that's I'm like, what happens now? Because, uh, you know, I think if they were totally transparent about what they were doing and what they actually believed in, there would have been no sponsorship deal from the start, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and if someone like me can connect the dots and be like, oh, this seems like it was kind of planned. Like, like a week before we're going to move the tents over here, and then two days before we're going to ban it from the stadiums. Like, I don't think this is on the fly. So. I'm assuming Budweiser has a couple attorneys. I love that the Qatari government did when you've. Who do you sue in like global court? Like what even happens? Global kangaroo court. Yeah. I love the fact that they did the thing that everybody has done when they don't want to go to a party. They're like, oh, yes, I'm going. RSVP, yes, in the public forum. And then they're like, well, maybe I can't bring that. And then they're sick the day of. I'm sorry. I'm having stomach problems. That's how you get out. Stomach problems. No one wants diarrhea at your house. That's right. Yeah. So it's a funky thing. And, you know, it's. We'll see how this all plays out. That's why we got boots on the ground in Qatar. That's right. That's right. We boots on the ground. Yeah. Um. I think for today, I I don't think the time is going to work out with Cody. Okay. We'll get boots on the ground soon. Maybe it's because we uh we you know we made too many jokes about Qatar early on. They saw it and they were like, no, 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 Cody today. Qatari AI. (laughs) That's right. They're watching our youtube stream on that's crazy like who's this guy talking about us with a fucking menorah in the background <laughs> they're like it, it it's a ron burgundy that really did him in yeah oh man all right well then <laughs> are, are bear chests also illegal <laughs> they may be male bear chests i don't know if i've ever seen one so okay. oh man there's too much that's too much of a third rail right I'm there not but there. No. uh yo else is kind of a third rail sometimes ben simmons talking. well kevin durant yeah. Sometimes, sometimes. Um, so Kevin Durant had a nice conversation with Chris Haynes this week, and he pretty much called out the Nets starting roster. And um, he pretty much went on the – I'm not sure if this you can call this the defensive, but he talked about the next roster construction, and he was like, look. He said, quote, look at the starting lineup. Ed, Ed, Edmund Sumner – Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Nick Claxton, me. It's not disrespect, but what are you expecting from this group? You expect to win just because I'm out there? Um, and which is ballsy claim. You'll love to hear hear him go that way. He's not wrong, but do you want him to be saying that, especially at this contentious part for the Nets? Nah, and I, th- I mean, something like that right off the bat, you know, is maybe the delineation of why Kevin Durant will and can never be at this point of his career like Steph Curry or LeBron James or somebody like that. Like 
Not to say LeBron James has never talked shit on his roster construction, Um, (laughs) but calling out players individually like that, you know, and just being like this, how are we supposed to win with this group of guys that I just named? Mm. Like, that's not really lighting fires for people or making you a leader that you actually want to get behind. It doesn't feel that way, you know, and that's it's 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 always a strange way where, you know, as good as Kevin Durant is, and I'm not going to take that away, like. This is a surefire top 10-ish kind of player in NBA history. He's one of the best I've ever seen. But he always carries this little thing. You know what I mean? Like there's always this thing, this carryover. And that's why maybe the best situation he's ever been in has been in Golden State where somebody else gets to answer all the questions. One person answers with the most vanilla positivity you can see. The other one covers all the negative shit and you just kind of get to exist in the middle. And Kevin Durant as the lead dog has always had problems in this arena, not as a player Mm. in this arena. Yeah. And I, I I kind of think of it as like, you know, like a rod with like the Yankees, right? It's like, you know, uh, I I mean, granted KD has never like not performed in like the moment, kind of like a rod did in, in like the playoffs sometimes, but it's like, you know, you got like the, jeter to be the spokesperson and then you have like some other people to like say like the other stuff and you can kind of play in your exact lane and that's kind of what kd has been missing ever since he left golden state you're exactly right yeah so yeah but that being said Mm -hmm. you watch ben simmons last night oh you're don't don't do this you're gonna you're gonna be on Uh, him and off him so fast uh, six for six from the field no here's the one the one thing okay about last night i'm not gonna go too deep into this it's a nice double double came off the bench he was like a plus 28 last night played great defense and here's the thing about it that i like i'm not gonna go too overboard okay but it's a good sign in two different ways One is the fact that he has been uh, his feet on the coals the most in in the last few months, more in the last few days than he has in the last few months. Mm. So the idea that instead of cowering back, you actually answer, you know, like, hey, I am still this person. I'm going to show you I am this person. I'm going to show you the motor I'm still capable of. I like that. I like yeah. the fact that it felt like, hey, I'm listening to you and I still have something to prove. I like that. Mm. And I like seeing that. So uh, on that edge, it's good. Then on the other side where it's good is he was intentionally fouled. They tried the hack of Ben thing last night. He was he was playing really well. They wanted him off the floor. So they started fouling him. He immediately answered with three or four from the line and looked pretty comfortable doing so. That it's not a playoff game, it's not anything like that, but it's got to feel fucking good for Ben Simmons, doesn't it? Right now, yeah. Yeah. you know what I mean? This is like the biggest question mark for him is can you play your point guard in pivotal parts of a game? It's pretty fucking yeah. important, yeah. you know. And if Ben Simmons can garner his 65 plus free throw shooting percentage, you take that out of the picture. Thank goodness, yeah. you know what I mean? So I don't want to go too far about one game last night, but Portland, good team, uh-huh. uh, you know, nice win uh, and and a lot of encouraging things. 
What if the entire Ben Simmons thing was his back was actually super messed up know, and we right? were just not sympathetic at all? I got to say, the one person I heard in the last months was David Jacoby going, hey, I'm not jumping off yet. This is my guy. Maybe he was hurt. I'm, I'm still hanging out. He was the only person who hung on. I even started jumping off. So, But, I mean, you know, I, did you see Jacques Vaughn's comments? No, I did last not. Last night. What did he say? I found it interesting that he was highlighting the idea that the team is playing great defense, playing great team basketball, and bringing Kyrie back into the mix will not compromise those things. Mm. I thought that was an interesting statement about, you know, what you're looking for from Kyrie when he comes back and the kind of responsibilities you're willing to give him at this point. So, um, I kind of found it encouraging that the new coach sort of set up this system over player uh, sort of thing. And, and you know, wondering if Jacques Vaughn rips off enough of these, if he's going to get his full-time job. Oh, well, he's he's all, already the full-time guy. That's... For the year. For the year. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, I'm pretty sure when the whole email disaster happened, they were like, you are our guy, like, going forward. Like, no interim tag, just he he's the guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, like, when that entire disaster happened, they were just like, all right, Jacques Vaughn, permanent. There you go. I mean, it's a good replacement to have, though. Like, he's a well-liked guy in the league yeah. and, you know, former head coach. It's not like yeah. you're tossing Jeff Saturday out there. You know? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Do you want to talk about that real quick? <laughs> we got some time. Nah, no. Okay. All right. Um, but, yeah, no, the Nets going forward, Kyrie coming back. How are we feeling about that? I mean, you know, same as always, man. Yeah. It's it's a giant question mark. Um, you like, you know, you like what you see one night. You, you despair at what you see the other night. So yeah. until anything with with some some length and some, you know, starts to to show up, I have zero expectations from this team. I mean, if you asked me three days ago, I would have said one hundred percent you should start blowing it up. Yeah, I maybe still think that. You know, like mm. I'm not totally off this train. Because you ripped off a nice win in Portland that, uh, yeah. you know, and Ben Simmons played one adequate game this year yeah. that, that we're jumping off this train. I'm very impressed with some of the teams in the East. I think the Bucks look great. I think Boston looks great. I think Cleveland, when they're putting everyone out there, looks great. And even with this team clicking on all cylinders, I, I question uh, if they can get over these teams in the East. I'm going to need to see a lot more before I get off the blow it up train all right well you brought up the bucks i'm very worried about chris middleton i feel like he had another setback uh, the timetable was always going to be like the beginning of november now it's closer into joe ingles territory we're like into early december um and they've kind of been mum about the whole thing yeah. as as they shop grace and allen trying to find a defensive minded front court option um so yeah, I'm just you know I'd love to know more clarity, but the Bucks keep things under wraps with stuff like that. Yeah, and I mean, it's one part about it that's a little concerning is, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff I hear out of Milwaukee is like, oh, they took a tough loss. This is that, you know, yeah. this. But but you know, it's gonna look different when Middleton's out there. I feel like I've been hearing that for a while now, like six months, you know. And <laughs> and I heard that you know that's kind of the you know, was the uh, go-to, you know, get out of jail card for their, you know, not getting past Boston last year. It's turning into the go out of jail card anytime they, they struggle this season. Um, so, 
I'm starting to where I'm like, when are you going to get Chris Middleton out there? And is he that important to yeah. that team? Like, I mean, you watch him a lot more. Is yeah. he that important? Um, I mean, and it seems from all the plus minus stuff that the guy you can't lose on the Bucks is Brooke Lopez. Yeah. Their defense goes yeah. and stuff. So, um, yeah, I think that's actually like a strangely concerning and maybe overblown part of the Bucks thing is this whole like, just wait till we get Chris Middleton back. Yeah, you know, I'm more excited person because we know what the Bucks look like with a a healthy Chris Middleton. I'm excited to see when you get Joe Ingles in the fold and if that's why they're shopping uh, Grayson, because Grayson's the the best shooter on the team percentage wise right now. So they're like, all right, we need a a little bit more on the defensive end. Plus, Marjan Bochamp has looked great so far. A good rookie. So a lot of positives, even though they're missing Middleton. Can you believe I, I had a Marjan Bochamp fantasy basketball pickup this week? Oh, it in, didn't go so well. It didn't go in so well. Our me. league? Uh, in... Yes. Oh, yeah. Dude, I, man, d- never draft old in fantasy. This Are week, you... brutal. Chris Paul, LeBron, Zion, yeah. all out. I'm getting smoked. I hear you, bro. <laughs> I got, I got, uh, Kawhi Leonard and Cade Cunningham oh. in, a, in a league with no <laughs> IR slot. Thank you, Jeff Rosenstock. God damn it. Oof. Oh, man. All right. Well, there are plenty of ways to get in contact with the show. Uh, the tune up podcast at gmail.com. We've got a lot of great things coming up on the YouTube channel over the course of the World Cup. Benny, we are making the foray into 15 minute post game shows after these games. That's right. I I'm am a... going to watch soccer, a lot of it. Uh, we're going to watch the U.S. games and the England games. Maybe have a, a, a friend of Benny's on the program to talk England. Oh, yeah. oh man. Oh, You're yeah. not going to want to miss this. That guy's going to get John. fired up. Oh, Ian's going to come on. I can, I'll say his name even <laughs> oh, though I haven't asked it. him yet. I'll say <laughs> Ian Perkins will come on and talk about English football. Yes, he Gaslight is. reunion right here. Tune up talking football right. and a bunch of other surprise guests coming on. Uh, after these U.S. games and whatever game we uh, we can get it together schedule wise to get on the old YouTube. So that's right. Uh, if you want to follow us, subscribe. Don't miss a thing. We're on the social platforms, Instagram and TikTok, TuneUp HQ. And if you want to follow the handle, I think the handle on YouTube there because they're doing that now. It's also the TuneUp HQ. Oh. Follow Benny <laughs> on Instagram <laughs> at Benny Horowitz. I'm at Denny Gallagher. Benny, you got anything else today? I, I love when you say TikTok. Oh, I love are it. We, are we going to get arrested soon? Dude. Star, TikTok. I don't know. The tune-up is getting controversial. You stir up the comments section on TikTok, and you don't even know. I love it. Um, <laughs> the show has ended. Go in peace. You've been watching and listening to the tune-up. Easy there. <laughs> <laughs>